Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jarden's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Ben Z, the co-founder and co-CEO of EdTech Startup Ed Rolo. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Elise. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, let's turn it over to you. Exciting space that you're in, and I think one that tends to hold up relatively well during a recession. So I'm keen to hear more. Not that I'm calling out that, but <laughs> just <laughs> over to you. Ed Rollo is an Australian-based education, technology, and publishing company. Uh, we're a team of about 200 Ed Rollers, we affectionately call ourselves, and uh, we have amazing investors behind us, such as Blackbird, Airtree, and a few superannuation funds as well. Our vision is that every learner in the world reaches their full potential so that they can live a happy and fulfilled life. And to achieve this vision, we're on a mission to improve the educational outcomes for young people. And we're currently doing this through uh, high-quality curriculum-aligned products uh, that over a 1,000 high schools subscribe to through a SaaS uh, model. And that means we're actually right now helping over a quarter of a million students across Australia. And we believe we can make the, the biggest difference and impact to learning outcomes to young people by focusing on improving the 13,000 hours a student spends at primary and secondary school. And with our products, we're ensuring that students have access to high-quality learning materials, but we're also acutely aware of how important classroom teachers are. And that's been so evident through the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we've probably seen as, as parents out there have seen how uh, amazing a job classroom teachers, um, uh, you know, perform. And so, you know, they're critical to our mission. And so we're trying to empower them to level up their teaching practices with our products as well. So my mum's a school teacher and I have seen her in the industry after what being in a school for 23 years, how COVID really disrupted that. So I have so much curiosity about learning more, but we we'll ask on the pricing model as a starting point. Are you willing to share about what type of revenue model you've got? Yes, absolutely. So we sell our products via annual subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we're leveraging a SaaS subscription model and we charge an equitable, there's a mouthful here, per student, per subject, per annum subscription fee. Um, in the past, we used to just charge a flat per student fee, but what we found was, particularly in the senior years of year 11 and 12 in high school, not everyone does the same mix of subjects that our catalogue covers. So paying $100 flat fee, but only having access to two subjects, where you might have access to six subjects. So what we find equitable. Yeah, makes sense. And I'm curious, within the schools, you mentioned you kind of got a few different customer sets. Is it more government orientated? Is it private, public? And then beyond that, what about the geographical mix? Is it all in Australia today or do you have aspirations to go offshore? Yeah, so we've actually priced our products so that it's affordable to all schools. Basically, our custom mix actually mirrors pretty closely the the school mix across Australia. So roughly 60% government schools, 30% Catholic, 20% also um, independent. Um, that probably added up to more than 100, actually. <laughs> but you get the drift. You send you to your own training course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, in terms of geography, because we started with senior curriculum with our products, so year 11 and 12, we actually started in Victoria just purely because that's where, as co-founders, that's where we grew up um, in Victoria. And then we, we've gone north. So we're in New South Wales and Queensland as well. 
However, as uh, which I'll probably get to, we've just uh, closed a Series B round, and that's actually helping us uh, develop product for Australia-wide curriculum, the Australian curriculum for across grades seven to ten. Uh, so yeah, we're going national as of this year. At least one school per state <laughs> so far, which is great. Yeah. Very exciting. And I'm curious, how do you reach your customers? What's your go-to-market strategy? Yeah, so um, we've actually found through a lot of trial and error that the the best way to reach our customers actually in a one-on-one engagement, but it's all about how do we get to that point. So um, we split our, our customer outreach or sales team into two. There's the new sales team where we basically have a, a field sales model where we have a lot of them are actually ex-educators, ex-teachers or school leaders who reach out to a school or get an in, you know, a lead come through and they go meet the school, whether it's the school principal team, the head of faculty, and explain our product and how it can help with their goals. Mm-hmm. So that's the new sales team. Then we have our customer success team, which we call our client happiness team. And their job is to make sure that once a school has had their first year and their second year onwards, that they really get more and more out of our product and hopefully see value in in the product beyond what they initially subscribed to and grow their subscription over time as well. That is a lot of face-to-face. We're in schools every day, multiple schools every day. But yeah, with the pandemic as well, we've we've gone very good at uh, uh, Zoom meetings and um, the efficiency that brings as well. The other thing I guess we do in terms of go-to-market is underpinning all that, we're just starting to build out our marketing and our team and starting to focus on our PR efforts to get our brand out there and also establish a more scalable lead generation program for our sales team. Very exciting. Heard it here first, first branding exercise. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Let's turn over to the industry as a whole. I'm sure you've done a lot of numbers yourself about what is the target market, what's its growth and any of its industry drivers. Can you talk me through those, Ben? Yeah, so your earlier point about, you know, education being pretty recession-proof, we've definitely seen that, not even the R word, even when there's been, you know, flat flat growth, it's been pretty resilient. Hmm. And so... Globally, for us, we're focusing on building quality resources for English-speaking curriculums, and we're starting with Australia. It's where we've grown up, it's what we know, we're getting to know even more and more. But globally, our estimates are that, I guess with our products, we're trying to go after the global textbook market spend, and Mm -hmm. our estimates are that that's about $40 billion globally. So it's a massive market, obviously, but then there's lots of little niche markets within that that we start to tackle and go after. Another way to look at it is the price we charge for our products is roughly 2% of the government funding that a school receives per student. And that's in Australia and even in the US, it's roughly around $14,000 per student per annum. So we're going after just 2% of that and we believe we add a lot more value than that, 2%. And so, um, yeah, we're pretty confident in the, the size and, and of the opportunity out of us. Fantastic. And have you noticed any differences when you have done and looked at those global markets between, say, what your product could be or is this, is this product that you're creating, could it be globally scalable? That's an interesting question because the global education market is probably a, a whole series of little cottage industries. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so in terms of being globally, yes, there is possibility for us to scale, but we have to align to the curriculum and the way that curriculum is assessed or how 
a school is judged in mm. a way as well. Yeah. So yes and no, we'll start to be able to leverage a lot of the content and product that we're building, but we do like to make sure that we're building our products to suit the market that we're going into yeah. uh, because we found that's the best way to get great outcomes, but also have long-term client happiness as well. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. And let's turn over to the landscape competitively. Do you have or have you found others in your space that are doing what you're doing? If there's any that are listed that could be relevant. Yeah, there's, um, I guess the main competitors that we come across are the traditional publishers that have been around. A lot of them are multi-century year old companies in some some cases (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a lot of other edtech startups like us but a lot of them we've found are you know subject specific so they might just focus all in on math math is a big one right because math is you know fractions of fractions globally Uh (laughs) but in terms of how we stand out i put it down to two things quality and service Mm -hmm. so On the quality side of things, we actually have an in-house team that is building all of our product. That's very different to traditional publishers, for argument's sake, who actually rely on full-time teachers, part-time authors. We're full-time authors, (laughs) the opposite. And we've built, I guess, a, a repeatable, systematic, collaborative product creation process. And it goes from an R&D phase to where we're actually in schools testing early versions of a new product that we're developing Mm -hmm. and iterating with that in a very lean way. Once we've signed off on that um, that R&D, what we call the recipe is for that product, we then go to build. Mm -hmm. And there's so much benefits in us being across multiple subject faculties or subject areas because when we're looking at math, humanities and sciences, for argument's sake, we can actually start seeing some great learnings from math that can be applied to how we teach a particular area or topic within science and vice versa. And even from humanities to science and math, we're actually seeing a lot of wins in the, you know, the, the innovative ideas we're coming up with that. Um, so that's, I guess, one thing. So quality is where what? we stand out. And the second thing is service. So, you know, you speak to any of our customers and I hope they say, and I'm sure they do, that, you know, they know that we truly care about them. And that's because we work closely with them and we make sure that we don't just give them the keys to the brand, you know, the sparkling new toy, MedTech toy. We actually make sure that they know how to get the most out of it. And that's actually at an individual teacher level. So we don't just say, here's school, do it this way. It's like, okay, picture a math department where there's a 20-year veteran and a, you know, second year out teacher. They're going to approach that subject in a different way and be more willing or capable to use an education technology tool in a very different way. So we make sure that we're catering that veteran teacher, they know how to use the resource, and same with that new teacher. They're happy with technology. I'm curious, how easy is it to replicate your business? Are there big barriers to entry? Again, another great question. I think it's actually very hard. So the long-term relationships that we've built with schools and the reputation we have amongst schools and within the education sector really help us stand out. You know, it's been key to our growth over the years and going forward as well. And I, I mentioned about the ability for us in that R&D process to actually test ideas with real students and teachers and learn from those tests and uh, you know, incorporate that feedback and make the product as best as we can from the get-go. The other thing as well is the way we build our product is it's uh, very systematic. And you, know, you could pick up our resource and you could definitely try and copy it, but you know, beneath the surface, there's actually a lot of R&D and process built around 
why we've done something a certain way. And without seeing all that, I guess, behind the curtain magic at a surface level, yeah, okay, they've got written theory, good questions, and they've got solutions. But what is good theory? What is a great question? And what is a great solution? We've done all the work to answer those questions. And uh, yeah, that's how we've uh, we're able to scale up our content builds because we're investing in that that process and, and system. Whilst we're on that and thinking about some of the unit economics now, what do you see with the likes of churn? Yeah, our, our churn is extremely low. So once a school starts buying resources from us, they expand their subscription over years. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're so confident in that, that we have an, an ethos within our sales team and across the company, that it's got to be the right product at the right time for a school. So we're not trying to get them to take up everything on our catalogue from day one. It's like, okay, what's your school strategy? Where are the pockets of excitement and innovation happening? Okay, it's in the science department. Let's focus there to begin with. And then we grow over time with the school. Yeah. And what do you find is the biggest input cost? I know you mentioned just before about R&D, and it tends to be when you're tech orientated, but I assume there's probably a few other iterations and things going into the business. Can you talk me through some of the cost space? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest cost for us are actually headcount. Yeah. yeah. So the first part there is on the product R&D, which is all done in-house, and then the product development too. So that's the creation of the content and also the technology platform that underpins the delivery. Uh, That's all done Mm -hmm. in-house. The other thing that we're doing, investing in uh, headcounting, is actually providing a really strong customer service, really servicing our customers really well. and. You know, while we're in growth mode, I should say this, actually, um, we're growing at reasonable cost, not any cost, um, yeah. which is <laughs> very applicable <laughs> to the way the market is at the moment. <laughs> you know, these costs do ramp up as we enter a new market and a new product. But we're already seeing big wins from the R&D that we put in the earlier years. So I'll give you an example. Um, we had roughly six months of R&D for our Year 7 science product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we could build over six months, build the content that leverages that R&D over six months, so 12 months. Yep. But what we've found is as we've turned our attention to building the year eight science product, all that R&D is doable. So we don't need to spend a lot of that time again. We might make some tweaks, little tweaks based on customer feedback, but we only then need to spend roughly six or seven months building mm-hmm. the year eight product, and mm-hmm. we're going to get faster and better as we go to year nine, yep. year 10, so we get a lot of scale out of the early ramp-upping costs in R&D. And then we take those learnings to new markets as well. So, yeah, there's a compounding effect on, our, on the innovation there that we're, we're investing in. Very interesting. And I'm curious, what keeps you up at night? What are the risks? What do you see there? Yeah, I guess one would be incumbent traditional publishers upping their game from a product quality perspective. They've done an amazing job. They've been stewards of the, the industry for centuries, decades. And so, you know, they've definitely got the capability to up their game. And if they do that, that's something we're acutely aware of. And, and that's why we continually invest in innovation and, and trying to keep multiple steps ahead if we can um, at any time. And I think the other one is generally change management. It's been a cottage industry for so long that we really need to get teachers and students to see that they deserve better products in our opinion. And we think our products are better and um, will help in a, a much uh, better way than what they've, um, you know, than the products that they're currently using. So yeah, they're probably the two main things that keep me up at night. Yeah. And what on that perspective, 
let's look at this business, say, three years plus out. Where do you see the strategies of growth? How has this business evolved in your current playbook? Yeah, it's it's evolved a lot. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> from the very beginning, you know, the initial idea is just, you know, getting this off the ground is so different to what it is today. Yeah. So where we are in three to, three to five years will be very different from where we are today. But we've got actually the most exciting and clear product roadmap we've ever had. And it all hinges on two main things. The first one is what we're doing in Australia. And the second thing is looking at international expansion and English-speaking countries. You know, we'll start looking into that. So that's the second one covered. Back on to the first one about Australia. It's all about our expansion into the year seven to 10 space across Australia and expanding our our product catalogue. There's a massive opportunity there. And I guess one way um, we can access that opportunity is that in Australia, High schools typically serve students from grade 7 to 12. Right Mm -hmm. now, we've got a lot of relationships at the 11 and 12, but it's the same principle. It's the same head of faculty. And so we can actually leverage those good relationships that we've already got to actually open up doors to the 7 to 10 opportunity. Mm -hmm. The other thing from a product catalogue expansion perspective, we've realised that for a senior product, we could put one unit of product development to be able to address 15,000 potential enrollments in a year. That's at the senior level. Whereas we could do two units of product development for 300,000 potential enrollments across Australia. Yeah, wow. And so that's a 10x improvement on you know the reach of our product as we go down to year seven to 10. Fantastic. Very interesting. And sounds like some good growth strategies in there. Now I'm going to wrap up with one last question. I want to know more about you. So tell me a bit more about your background experience and the drive to this, about yourself and all the team. Yeah, um, we're actually non-educators, the three founders, so Jeremy, Duncan and myself. And I think that's actually been a blessing in disguise because we're coming up this problem space with, I guess, no bias and we listen well. So we like to surround ourselves with educators and experts and and actually try and understand and, and prod them to tell us, you know, why a problem is a problem. Like ask, ask the, the question why four times to get to the, the root cause of their problem. Yeah. Um, and we can do that without any, you know, bringing any bias into trying to understand what your problems they're facing. The other thing is as we've, I guess, made progress with the business and been able to do more and more in terms of impact and school reach and so forth, we've fallen more and more in love with what we do. And what is ahead of us as well in terms of the impact that we can have on, as I said, back to living up to our vision of helping young people lead happy and fulfilled, you know, fulfilled lives. And we think education plays such an important role in enabling that to happen. So, yeah, so we're getting more and more excited about what we can do from here. Oh, the other thing I should say, you know, we're not doing it alone. It's not just us now. You know, we've got over 200 people and mm-hmm. I guess we've developed and we're continually developed a, a fantastic set of leaders uh, within the business that have come up through the ranks or we've now starting to hire externally. And it's really exciting to have these people contributing, bringing ideas, bringing energy and being so passionate about what we are too and, and getting behind our mission. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. <laughs> that is really useful. So thank you once again, Ben Z, co-founder and co-CEO of EdTech Startup. Ed Rolo, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me.